This is um, a Fantasy Baseball special episode, second one we've had this year. Um, in a little bit, we'll get to our interview with uh, Fantasy Guy, Fantasy Expert, Eric Cross from Fantrax. We had him on earlier in the year. He was He's gracious enough to give us a little bit more of his time today, so we'll get to that. First things first, right now, we're half a pod short. It's just Josh and I. <laughs> We're here a little beforehand, and uh, what's up, dude? What is up, dude? This is uh, a little weird. It's not gonna it, lie. It's super weird. Little uh, silence in between some statements. We got to talk faster than normal, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. That's what we're here for. It's a, just a few minutes anyway. Just a little short intro. Uh, yeah. Just a little sh- short intro. Of fantasy baseball. For those people that care, I guess we can give a little uh, little update on the big league. Um, I don't think we've really given an update since our draft recap. Uh, so yeah, just quickly, Josh was in first. Something that yeah. really nobody predicted, and uh, <clears throat> we got a yeah, couple pe- bottom feeders. Kind of a weird standings right now. Uh, we even have a tie this year. Yeah, which is nuts. It- we never have ties, <laughs> ever. Yeah, it's but, wild. Like I'm on pace to completely backflip everybody's projection. So uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I think everybody was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making it up, really. But I think it was like six and twelve, six and thirteen, something like that, right? They said for me, but uh, probably. Hey. Whatever. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, a lot of trades have been have been had. A lot of big trades, a lot of dumb trades, a lot of bad trades, a lot of good trades, a lot of trades. It's been, I mean, yeah. My, uh, I will say, my success has come from your trade with me. Yeah, to be totally and that's fine honest. because I knew once we did that trade, I said the season's most likely over. I'm building into the future. I made another trade like that this year. So, so just got two just of my to, guys, and I'm Just to break it down, just to break it down, I got the trade right here. So I received uh, Michael Chavis, Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, and Chris Bryant mm-hmm. for Jake Arrieta, David Price, Yon Moncada, and Vlad. I've since reacquired Vlad. No. I mean, not Vlad, uh, Yon. Yeah. My bad. I'm just looking at names. And traded sale for Jumbo Dong and a six-round pick. So that's pretty nuts. Not going to lie. But there's been some pretty good trades all around the league. All uh, all around the league in general, though. And some bad trades. And some bad ones. That always happens, though. You know, you got the the people that are just like, yeah, I just don't care anymore. And that happens. I hear that. That's okay. It's okay. All right, so, uh, yeah, there's your Ollie and Josh first half recap so far. We'll get into a little bit more later on when everybody else gets here. But I think without any further ado, we should just send it to the interview. 
Wait, I have a further ado. Okay, one more ado. I got a big take. Hit, hit me. Mackenzie Gore is my new fetish. It's a very good fetish to have. Mm-hmm. Because he is mm-hmm. fucking crazy. I'm sure we'll hear about him on our little chat. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I actually <laughs> plan on talking about the Padres in particular. Sweet. So Awesome. Uh, yeah, we'll get this to gonna that. This is going to be good. Yeah, it should be good. So... If there are no more adieus, we will send it to the interview. Okay, we are now welcoming back recur- now now recurring guest, two-time guest. That's I think that's tied for the lead, Eric Cross of Fantrax. So Eric, how you doing tonight? Tied for the lead, huh? I like it. I how you guys so. doing? We're great. Solid. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. All good? good. Pretty good. Busy yeah. season so far, huh? Oh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy, especially with all these the prospect call-ups we had. So a little quiet now for those, but you know, those we had like three waves that are just like in a week we'd have a bunch of guys called up. So it's been, been a pretty fun season. First things first, last time we talked, the big the big thing that we took away from it and was your Pete Alonso talk. You were huge on Pete Alonso, and at the time, with your you said that you predicted 30 to 35 home runs from Alonso this year. At the time, we were like, whoa, that's pretty ambitious. We don't know when he's going to get called up. Is he, is he actually going to produce? Is he, what's, he's at 30 home runs at the All-Star break. So shame on you for not saying that he hit 40 home runs. <laughs> you guys laughed at me for my big take, too, 25 and 80. So screw y'all. Shit. Did did I not say by the All Star break that I thought that caveat in there? You know that must have got cut out somewhere because I know you yeah. guys must have edited that out. Yeah, yeah. Or for sure. Yeah, that's, that was an incredible take. And also yeah. the Soto one you had too was was quite. Uh, well, you know the power isn't exactly there, but he's had a hell of a year too. Yeah, Soto is just like he's not getting really getting as much pub as you know some of the other. Acuna. Big names this year, uh-huh. yeah, because he just goes about his business. He's quiet, but look at the stats right now. It's three hundred one, seventeen bombs, sixty one RBIs, fifty seven runs, six you know, six steals. He's up base for like what, like about thirty one ten, one hundred five and ten, the three hundred average. You know, it's right into the year. That's one of those guys. Where, that's how I thought he'd be too. Like, you know, he's not going to be a guy that leads the league in home runs or something like that. It's just at the end of the year, like, oh, there's another. You know, three hundred thirty, a hundred season out of Juan Soto. So, um, yeah, it's, it's why it's why I love him so much. He's just like goes about his business and just rakes. Dude's just a hitter. It's pretty incredible too at that age. He's just doing that. Like, was he? Is he only twenty years old? He's right? Twenty. Yeah, I don't think he pulling him up right now. Once he turned twenty one. Twenty one in October. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah still, still That's twenty, insane. and he's already one of the you know top handful of hitters in the league. Damn. So it's, it's ridiculous and. And probably, you know, juice ball or not, I think this guy's a, you know, this power's for real. I thought he'd be like a 30 to 35 home run guy more often than not. So, um, yeah, one of these days, he, one of these years, he's going to win an MVP. I'm telling you, he's, he's got MVP upside. This guy's, I love it. I, I, I would take him on the red side. I would trade, you know, hot take. I would trade Mookie Betts for one soda right now. I Let's don't go. care. I would do it. Ooh, I, love that. I don't think I hate that either. I actually think I love that. I, I, I actually do. Before before I get freaking Red Sox fans at my doorstep with pitchforks, like I love Mookie Betts. My daughter knows one baseball player, and it's Mookie Betts. So um, I love Mookie Betts, but you know, 
Soto is going to, you know, you take the age, and I'm taking the age. If Mookie was doing this at 20, I would take Mookie. But, you know, just take the age and, you know, the fact that Mookie's going to be gone probably next, after next year. So, um, yeah, Soto is just going to be a beast for a long time. It's wild, too, because the, uh, the Orioles' number one pick there, Adley, uh, Rutschman, or Rutschman, uh, he, he's already 21. He was 21 in February. So it's yeah. like he's a what is it like roughly a year and like three months or so in terms of a age difference like that how much older he is than Soto that's wild right and e- even if you know Rushman he's a pretty advanced hitter so I don't think it's take him too long but you know let let's say you know even if he does fly up through the system probably you know this time next year would be absolute best case scenario and that's even a little bit of a stretch and you know that would put him at what almost twenty two and a half twenty three. Let's see when his birthday is here. February. Like even Pete yeah. Alonso's twenty four, going on twenty five this year. Right. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Like these these international players, where you know a lot of them are coming up and just dominating so early now. You see guys like you know in the low minors like Marco Luciano of the Giants and Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, Christian Robinson of the Diamondbacks. Like these guys are just as soon as they're getting better at a younger age, and you get more of these. You know, I think we might see them a lot more. And then you obviously got Wander Franco, obviously, um, that probably will debut when he's 19 as well. So like a lot of these guys are getting you know, really good, really quick, you know, quicker than they used to in the past. So um, that's why you see a guy like Juan Soto dominate when he's 19 and 20, when you know guys are getting drafted that are a year and a half older than him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What do you think Wander Franco's prospects are? Like, do you think he's going to be like a, the next like great shortstop? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm real, I'm kind of pissed that none of the Rays minor league teams are anywhere near me. I, I think the nearest ones are like Florida in terms of um, towards me. So yeah. I'm up here in you know Maine, but um, because I want to see that I might I might make a trip, two thousand mile trip, just to see him. I'd have to try to like see family or something at the same time, make it worthwhile. But you know, th- this guy is just oh my god! Like, what's he, so good about him? I, I don't know much about him. Every, literally everything like you watch this guy take batting practice the bat speed it's it's phenomenal it's lightning quick uh, you know quicker than vlad's bat speed no way um, he doesn't the, the one area where i would give the advantage to vlad obviously is power um i don't see you know wander franco hitting 90 home runs in a home run derby anytime soon but um <laughs> he's, he's still he's still a pretty good power hitter in his own right i think he'd be a guy that's like a you know 25 30 35 in that range once he keeps developing um and he probably is one of the best contact hitters I've seen in the last few years. This guy has legit batting title upside. You know, you throw in, he's, he's pretty quick too. He's still kind of developing as a base dealer. So he, like you see right now, his, his, uh, he's stolen like 18 bags this year, but got caught like 12 times. So he's still there, but the speed's there to be like another 25, 30 steel guides. You know, he, he, he might lose some speed as he fills up. Maybe you end up being like a 15 and 20 steel guy, but you know, you throw in, 30 plus home runs, so well over 300 average. This guy's going to be an absolute beast. He's a pretty good defender, too. You know, everyone looks at the offensive upside, obviously, if you play Dynasty League, it's all you really care about. But, you know, at least when I do my rankings, you know, I, I do factor in defense a little bit just because, you know, obviously Franco will have more value at shortstop than he would if he sucked at defensively and had to go with the left field or something. So, mm-hmm. also, he equates to playing time a lot of times, too. You know what it, I mean? Exactly. That's why I took like Jordan Alvarez a lot, little bit of time. Yeah. You know, granted, granted, they didn't really have you know any glaring holes in, in the Houston lineup, but you know he's 
Jordan Alvarez is not a good defender. He's that's even putting it lightly. He's a horrible <laughs> defender. So that kind of held him back a little bit. And you know, you hear about you know, I don't whether you believe it or not, whether it's service time manipulation or not. You know that that was the reasoning behind holding Pete Alonso down and not calling him up last year. And the same thing with uh, Chris Bryant so, a few years back. So um, it, it, it does play a little bit into it. And you know, he's I wouldn't say Gold Glove caliber, but he's you know, very solid shortstop. He's good, got good feet, solid throwing arm. So um, I think he could definitely stick at shortstop. And, you know, you see what, like, Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing right now. That's the same type of player I think, you know, um, Wander Franco can be with even a higher batting average upside um, than Tatis. He's that type of, you know, phenomenal, could be an MVP caliber player. Shit. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's it seems crazy to say that because he's freaking 18 years old, um, barely 18, too. It's like... Yeah, I think he's turned 18 on this offseason, so um, and he's still down in the you know, high A, but he's just dominating every every level. Uh, walks more on these strikes out. I think he strikes out like I think the strikeout rate is like five percent right now. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, and it, it took him I think 50 ish plate appearances in high A as an 18 year old, which is the average age in the league is like 21 or something um, for his first strikeout. So um, it's it's ridiculous. You, know, you, you see that a lot. In, um, you know, like the, uh, the all the rookie leagues, Dominican Summer League and stuff, where you know having more walks and strikeouts is not uncommon. You see that a lot because you know pitching in that level is not even close to the hitting um, caliber wise. So, yep. um, but then he's doing the same thing. He did the same thing in, in single A this year. Um, now he's doing the same thing in high A. So it's kind of like all right, this plate approach is legit. Where he's he's going to walk a good amount. Barely ever strike out, put everything in play, hit everything hard, hit for a high average. It's just ridiculous. This guy is is one of the best prospects I've ever seen. A little Shit. bit of speed too, eighteen yeah. stolen bags. So yeah, he he can literally just yeah. do it, do it all. I think so, out also, of out of all of this, the craziest thing that is on his Wikipedia page is that he has two brothers also named Wander. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and his that- uh, his uncle is Eric Ibar. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good, good baseball family. Yeah, wow. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. There was a picture. I could put, it was. I actually think the, I uh, saw that. That came around yeah, during a, the futures game, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was Ben Badler, maybe of Baseball America. One of those guys. Uh, yeah, posted the picture of all three of them. Uh, it's it's funny. You see like the story. I've seen a bunch of stories of people like picked up the the wrong Wander Franco in Dynasty leagues and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, make sure you pick up the right one. Don't pick up the guy that's in what's one in the San Fran system and Houston. Uh, yeah, the one in Houston. I think see, one might be out of baseball at this point or not signed or anything. But um, yeah, it's pretty fun. They're all named Wander, just different middle names. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good baseball family. So you're taking him over Gavin Lux no matter what? Oh, yeah, no matter what. And, and I'm a big Lux guy, too. He's, he's, he's flown up my rankings. he he got to do it all, too. He's a you know, kid for good average. Um, could be like a 2020 guy or even more. So. Um, I think Lux is going to be an all-star caliber shortstop too, but yeah, Wander is just, it's not often you see a guy, um, like a, a good comparison. You know, I, I threw up a, um, a picture that I saw on MLB pipeline that was comparing, um, Wander's age 18 season to Vlad's 18, uh, age 18 season. Um, and then one of my, uh, prospect buddies from uh, prospect live, um, Lance Brodowski kind of made a comment about how at the time, 
you know, in Vlad's age, 18 season, he wasn't considered quite the number one prospect yet. You know, like he was you know, highly ranked, but he was he was like a, you know ranked 15th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't like you know Wander's already number one prospect everywhere. Like MLB already has him one, um, which is ridiculous. They usually, they usually have guys that young at number one. You know, I obviously I have him one. Everybody has him one. So um, the fact that he's already this highly thought of and he's still you know at least a year, year and a half away from the majors, 18 years old in high A, it's ridiculous and see like what he can continue to do um as he gets up into the higher minors into the majors it's just ridiculous i have a question for you i I don't mean to keep hijacking the conversation but i have questions (laughs) um someone like trey turner was once uh, he's top prospect and he uh was great when he first started off but now he's i don't i don't really see much production from like like the old days uh i don't I don't even know what my question is really other than like how high was he on your prospect list back in the old days and how do you feel he's turning out now? Yeah, I think I'm trying to like recall my list from then. I think the highest Turner got, I think he might have stunk into my top 10 back end on top 10, I think. Yeah. Um, at, at peak before he came up. Um, I always, I always loved the speed and the contact skills. Um, I wasn't quite sold on the power. Mm-hmm. I think when he, um, had his what was his career high? It was like the one year, like it was a 2017 year and a half. Let's see, trying to see what year. Oh, no, it was, it was last year. Okay, when he hit 19, like that's like I think the best case scenario for him, even with juice balls. You know, yep. he's 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 like he's like a teen home run guy at most. Like he's at seven this year. Even then, last year, he's got a better OPS this year than last year. Right? Yeah, because he, he's hitting a bunch more doubles this year too. Like he's on pace for. Uh, if he like last year, he played all 162 games, hit 27 doubles. This year, he's 55 and 18, so he's on pace for almost twice as many doubles. So that kind of helps, but um, he's hit for a little higher average too. But you know, I, I think w- what you're seeing out of Turner this year is, is pretty much is. I, I think this is pretty close to what you can expect going forward. Um, you know, high 200 hitter, maybe you know gets over 300, but he's always right in that area. Um, that that three forty two you saw when he came up in two thousand sixteen. That's a little bit of an aberration, but yeah, I don't think he's that high. But this guy that's right around high twos, low threes a little bit. You know, gets you know twelve to eighteen home runs, steals you you know forty bases. The speed's legit, so um, he's kind of like a D Gordon with some power kind of. Mm-hmm. You no, know, not now, but D Gordon like five years ago. <laughs> um, but you know, added like fifteen home runs to that. So um, yeah, yeah he's two a guy things for you. Yeah, one that I just uh, just wanted to get to see your thoughts on D Gordon. Way back when he first got called up, we we're super excited about him, and Steve and I in particular, we thought this nickname should have caught on. However, it has not. Um, D Gordon, obviously, son of Tom Gordon, nicknamed famously as Flash. Flash. Flash yeah. So naturally, shouldn't D Gordon? We we nicknamed him Dash, and we just Dash Gordon. And it did not oh catch yeah, on. isn't that yeah. kind of great? Yeah, Flash with a D. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like. I like. I, I guess I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd get work. <laughs> um, but additionally, too, though, um, in terms of like a Trey Turner type, I is that what you see in like Royce Lewis? Like, because that's uh, I feel like that's where I'm kind of coming to to grips in terms of understanding what Royce Lewis is going to become when he gets called up because he's probably what within a year and a half away would you say from minnesota yeah. there yeah that's about right um he's in high eight right now he's been struggling a little bit this year um he's kind of turned on a little bit of late but he's only in 234 um yeah i think that's a fair i don't 
know if he quite has Turner's speed, mm-hmm. um, but I think he might have a little more contact skills than Turner. Okay. Um, so I, I think maybe he might be more in the 300 to 310 range. Um, then so give him a little edge there, but then take away maybe I think he's more of like a 30 to 35 steel guy as opposed to like turns like 40 plus. So, um, but overall value when you kind of like take everything into consideration, they have similar power, you know, turners, like I said, kind of a teen sky. I think that's where Lewis ends up as well. Um, yes, yeah, so I think over their overall value when you factor in, you know, average home runs and speed, I think, I think it's pretty similar. All right. Hey, so, is, yeah, oh, sorry. So yeah, Steve, it's my turn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uh, fascinated by this knowledge. I know, I know. It's insane. But getting away from the prospects just a little bit, back into reality and what we see now. In your first yeah. half, so there's obviously bust, there's booms. Personally, uh, bust perspective, I hate to do this, but like, I don't. Vlad hasn't hit the average that we kind of expected him to. He's only hitting like 250 yeah. or so. You kind of expect maybe the power won't be there right away. That's fine. From a boom perspective, honestly, I didn't think Otani would be as good as he is. Uh, he was really good last year, and I was like, all right, well, maybe it was just a one-year thing because you see that all the time. People flame out in year two. But he's kept kept it up. So from your perspective, who do you think like a, a really big bust in the first half and um, Jose Ramirez doesn't count and maybe someone that took you by surprise? <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those guys you mentioned, those are, those are solid. And I'm not overly – really quick, I'll hit on it. You know, the, Vlad's kind of struggles here. Um, I'm not overly surprised by his struggles because think about how much publicity he got, you know, coming up. And he was going to be – you know, people were already putting him in Cooperstown. And right. so these pitchers kind of got more looks at him um, than, you know, a normal prospect for the most part. So um, – so they kind of figured out, you know, maybe looked at some video, figured out some weaknesses, where to pitch him, and maybe he's not good up and in or whatever it may be. So, um, but I do, I do think he'll get it going though. I'm, I'm not, over, I'm not worried at all. But Vlad, this guy's, you know, you know, one of the best hitters, that, you know, prospects that hitters I've seen. So I'm always surprised there. Um, and then Otani, yeah, I, he keeps he keeps surprising me too, like. You know, when he came over from from Japan, he knew he was gonna be a really good pitcher. You know, he had the, you know five different pitches he could throw. You know, that are all plus pitches and, for the most part. And, but he's shown he showed me that more contact than I thought he. I thought I thought he hit for power. I saw you know I've seen him take batting practice and hit a ball through the roof of the Tokyo Dome. So um, <laughs> I thought the power would be there, but the fact that he's hitting for average. That I did not see. I thought he'd be like a 240, 250 hitter that you know, would hit 25, 30 bombs. But, and you'd be happy uh, with that. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then I think once you added the pitching, you'd be – yeah, absolutely. And then the fact that he's hitting for average as well, um, it's icing on the cake. Um, back to – And he's young too, by the way. Yeah, 25. He's he just, just 25. fresh 25. Yeah. yeah like, that's one thing I feel like I, I – I feel like we, we ordinarily see – those guys come over at like age 27, 28, where they're kind of yeah. should be right in their prime. And it's like, okay, we're trying to assess what the deal is with them, but we got him early. Yeah. But also it's, it's guys like, you know, like Ichiro came over when he's like 20, what, 26 and hmm. Hideki Matsui and guys like that. So yeah. And the fact that he got over here early, definitely I think helped. Um, in terms of, and one guy I've really kind of been underwhelmed with and, you know, maybe it, you know, helps that I've watched, 
him every night on TV. One of our boys, I've been very involved with Andrew Benintendi this mm-hmm. year. You know, he was a guy that yep. was I saw going, you know, third round of drafts, even you know, back into the second round, you know, top twenty-five pick. Um, and he's really, I mean, he's not having a bad season, but you know, he's hitting two sixty-eight. He's on pace for like you know, thirteen home runs and fifteen steals, about seventy-five to eighty runs and RBIs each. So it's not a bad season, but just like compared to what we kind of thought, where it was like, oh, we were like penciling him for thirty, twenty, twenty, hundred, hundred. Um, he's just kind of not been there, and you know, it's it's the the power doesn't overly surprise me, and it's because you know, as we know, Lester David Ortiz, you know, lefty at Fenway is. You know, it's gets hard. You know, is once you get past the the short Pesky's pole, unless you're wrapping it around that. You know, once the Jets out there towards the bullpens, that gets pretty far. I think it's like what three eighty out there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, so I'm not overly surprised that hitting for power, but I thought he hit for at least twenty to thirty more points of average too. So, he he's a guy that I've really been. I, I don't know if bust is the right term because like I say he's still still a decent hitter, but um, just from what I was expecting. Um, definitely not up to snuff right now. Um, for pitchers, uh, let's see here. It was a good pitcher. First one I can think of, <clears throat> excuse me, off the top of my head. So I've had him on many of my fantasy teams, and he's killing me right now. Zach Wheeler, he isn't really – you know, he was one of my – I think I had him when I was doing my sleeper articles. He was one of my sleepers. I thought, I thought he'd be like a you know breakout and then maybe like a top 25 arm guy. You'd have like so your number two, number three. Um, arm in fantasy, but he's really not, you know, he's been very inconsistent. You know, he's been, you know, he'll have a couple good starts in a row that he'll get, give up like seven earned in two innings or have one of those starts. Um, so he, he's one that I'm really disappointed in. Then. Um, and another one who I also had a lot of stock in, you know, pitching, as you can tell, pitching hasn't really got that great for me in a few leagues, but you know, Blake Snell, you know, um, I wasn't expecting, you know, last year, you know, was just phenomenal. I think he went 20, 21 wins, sub-2 ERA. So, obviously, I was not expecting that again, but I was not expecting a 455 ERA as well. I was thought he'd bounce back, you know, go back to, like, a high twos or something, um, low threes. But it's just – he's just so inconsistent lately, and he's not really walking to any guys. That's not really the issue, but he's been – he's getting hit hard when he's just leaving his fastball over, over the plate, so – um, he's a guy that really is not not doing it for me this year. It's funny because he kind of seems like he went all the way from one end of the spectrum to the other. Whereas like last year, I remember reading all these articles and looking at his uh, batted balls and play. And it's yeah. like he was like crazy low in terms of right. what his kind of median would look like. And then this year, it's crazy high. I think I – 241 last year in terms of batted balls and play. Pretty darn low. This year it's three forty one, just like crazy shift there. So it's like I yep. wonder if uh, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I would imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Where you know, obviously he's not like sub two ERA good, but he's but he's not mid four ERA either. So I, I think he ends up you know from here on out maybe be like a you know three three one to three five ERA guy somewhere in that range, and you know whip in like the one two range. So. Um, you know, if, if I was like drafting here on out, I think he could be like a, I think he's still like a top 20 arm rest of the way. Um, it's not necessarily the, I think this draft was like one of the top five pitchers off the board in the spring or close to it. So, um, kind of still disappointing, you know, when you look at the end of the year, but 
Uh, Call him a fluke yet, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I definitely think he, I think he's closer to to twenty eighteen Blake Snell than twenty nineteen. I will say that um, he, he's legit. He's got really good stuff. So I think I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be fine going forward. Just you know, don't expect you know twenty one wins in sub two ERA again. That Rays team, Rays team's got a lot. They got a, they got some pieces. Yeah, they they just know how to develop prospects. It's ridiculous. And you look, they might have one of you know outside of. You know the Padres, one of the deepest farm systems in all of baseball, and um, especially you know as usual on the pitching side of things, they've been. You know, obviously, you see that with uh, Brendan McKay coming up this year, and you know they, Brent Honeywell has been one of the top pitching prospects in baseball for a while, but he's had his injury woes, and you know some of the guys they've got up over the last couple of years, uh, either whether um, um, either via trade or. Uh, the draft, like, you know, Matthew Libertore is a really good pitching prospect. Shane Baz, who they got from Pittsburgh and the uh, Chris Archer deal. He's got phenomenal arsenal. Um, Shane McClanahan was on the draft last year. He's got big stuff. He might be a bullpen guy, but um, he's got big fastball. Um, it's just really, you know, Colin Pochi is a guy who's up in their bullpen now. Um, could be, you know, late in the arm and, you know, they get others further down, so it's there's really, really deep, and they're starting to get a lot of hitting prospects too. You know, Nate Lowe coming up, Brandon Lowe this year. You know, obviously Wander Franco, um, Vidal Brujans are one of the fastest guys in the minors, second base. Ronaldo Hernandez could be an all-star caliber catcher, and Jesus Sanchez is a good outfield prospect. There's such a deep farm; they just don't want to develop guys. It's, I, I, I had this conversation with you know a couple of the different prospect writers where you know. The system they're in matters, you know, to a degree. Like you look at you know how Baltimore Baltimore's handled prospects, and you know how none of their pitching prospects have worked out for the most part. And then you look at Tampa Bay's of the world, the Houston Astros of the world, the Padres of the world. And um, so when you have guys in these systems, you know that you know they might have a you know mechanical flaw or something in their swing. You, you feel better that they're gonna you know get it worked out because they have a lot of good people around them. So um, this Tampa Bay is just. Keeps you know bringing up these guys is ridiculous. This is how good they've been at developing talent. So the future so, of the ALE sounds fun. It does. Tampa, Tampa's coming, and Toronto's got a good system too. Toronto's got a lot of good uh, pitching in their system. I, I saw Nate Pearson uh, last was last month. I saw him um, throws a hundred with ease. Like he doesn't even doesn't even try, and he just throws pops a hundred. So. Um, yeah, so a lot of good prospects. Outside of Baltimore system isn't really that great. Adding Adley Rushman definitely helps. But um, yeah, Tampa's got a good system. Toronto's got a good system. The Yankees have so many pitching prospects; it's ridiculous. They probably have. You know, I'd probably say I take at the top, top top of my head at least probably six to eight of their pitching prospects before we even got to the first Red Sox pitching prospect. It's oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. If, yeah, Jake Room is not doing anything anymore. <laughs> if Room was healthy, maybe, but like yeah. the Yankees are just you know so I don't know. I wonder how many of them pitching prospects made my top two fifty overall. But um, yeah, there's so so much high end. I mean, I mean, maybe not elite arms like Davey Garcia is their best in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, just guys, a lot of guys that could just turn into you know major league starters, which is what you need, and they could probably end up trading away several of them. But um, yeah, so a lot of good. I think that state of the AL East in the next few years is pretty good. So that kind of brings me to my point. I want to talk about future MLB starters. Um, so I hinted on Mackenzie Gore before we kind of hopped on the pod. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to hear your comparison with Casey Mize 
just because, you know, I think I, I like Mackenzie Gore just because he's playing out West and, you know, you always hear about the hitters paradise that it is out there. And, you know, if even if he does touch the Pacific coast league, you know, everybody bats high average up in there and he's got a one one Oh nine ERA, something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Casey Mize, um, Oh no, Casey Mize has the one oh nine and Mackenzie Gore has like a point nine five, something like that. Um, uh yeah, point yeah, nine six, yep. Yeah, so I just want to hear your comparison, you know, kinda I know you have Mackenzie Gore uh, as your first starting uh pitcher on your midseason to uh two fifty, but is there a lot of difference between these guys or are they just gonna be superstars in general? Uh there's, there's not a whole lot of difference. Um they're both I think they're both have Cy Young upside in them. Um, there's not many pitching prospects in the minors that I would say that about, and there was two or definitely two of them. Um, I think really the difference is, you know, I think they're both going to be guys that just really have, you know, low ERAs, low whips a lot. Gore has, you know, he's more diverse arsenal, so I think he probably is a higher strikeout guy by a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, he probably, you know, he's probably like a 11, 10 to 11, 12K per nine guy where, I think Mize will settle in more right around a K per inning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've not seen Gore live because, you know, he, none of the San Diego farm teams come anywhere near me. Right. Um, I've you know, watched a ton of video, and I went down to – made the trip down to Connecticut. Uh, I was back in late May to, with a buddy of mine to see. Just, uh, Mize and Matt Manning were going back-to-back days in Hartford. And, you know, Mize is, is as advertised. He he had a little bit of a kind of rocky first where he kind of – he walked a guy, hit a guy. Um, but he's just he, – he's zoned in. I think he had like one hit the rest, next five innings. He was just – and he, he went through the next five innings in like 46 pitches or something ridiculous. Like kind of like had that uh, like Mark Burley kind of feel. He was working quick, bulldog, just challenging everybody. Um, imagine like Burley – was a very good pitcher for a very long time. Burley with like better stuff where it's just mm. he's, he's a challenge. He throws, you know, he has a mid nineties fastball, um, mixes in, you know, kind of, kind of put a little cut on it as well. Um, you know, throws a slider as well, which is a, you know, at least uh, above average to plus breaking ball. And then I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the best splitter I've seen since <laughs> Clemens, since Kurt Schilling, the splitter, you know, it's going on the middle of the plate and then it just darts down and out. It's just, it's on, on when he's throwing it right, which is basically all the time. Um, he's just command with it is usually pretty on. It's just a devastating pitch, and you know it elicits a lot of those like bad video game type swings where the guy's way off balance and not even swings over by a foot. So, mm-hmm. um, and then Gore's the same way. Just the Arsenal, so he's got four plus pitches, commands everything. Um, and that's the big thing with both of them is that both of them, in, in addition to having you know the dynamic stuff. That they have in the in the bulldog mentality is just, they know how to pitch and they can put their pitches when they where they want to. The command for both of them is phenomenal. Um, so in, in control as well, you see their, their walk rates are both super low. Super low. Um, yeah, and, they, and you know more than just control, you know, they they can locate the pitches, which is you know kind of things you've seen kind of hinder you know guys like um, Tuki Toussaint. Um, in Atlanta and some some of those guys like that, where you know the command has not been there, so they've gotten hit um, because you know major league hitters obviously are you know the best hitters in the world. So you know you know if you're if you're gonna throw, I'm not gonna look at your fastball on the outside and you're gonna leave it over the you know heart of the plate. It's gotta get hit. So 
you know, that's what's gotten Tukey to, to stay in trouble and others like him. But that's what makes, you know, Mackenzie Gore and, and uh, Casey Myers and others, you know, at the top of my pitching rankings is so, so damn good. It's just, you know, they can put it where they want. So um, if I had to pick one, I mean, it's apples and oranges, but mm-hmm. you know, I guess I take Gore for Dynasty because he, I think he offers a little bit more strikeout upside. But, you know, at least both, the, you know, if both these guys, you know, aren't at least in the running for a Cy Young, let alone probably winning one each, I'd be shocked. Do you think that Mize, I mean, and I'm not say he can't be a building block, because obviously a guy like that you could build a team around in the future. Do you think he is more vulnerable to be traded than, say, Gore, where the Phil- uh, I mean, the Pad- Padres kind of look like they have you know, something going the next couple of years. Gore comes into the mix. And he's set up in the rotation where the Tigers are really struggling trying to, you know, get their roster together. Like, is that like a piece where they go to try to get somebody big? Like, do you see any trade possibility for Mize coming up? I don't. I really don't. It's, there's guys are when maybe with Matt Manning, maybe. Um, but when guys like this where he's so young, so good, and you can really build around him and you have him under control for the next several seasons. I really don't see, you know, anything where they're going to – Detroit, it's not like they're if, – if Detroit was more so a playoff t- caliber team that needed something, maybe. But even in that case, like, guys, pitching prospects of this talent, I used, you just usually don't see get traded. Um, and I, I, I do think Mize is a guy you can build around. I think he can be the next, you know, like Justin Verlander type pitcher for Detroit where he can just stick him on, you know, as the ace of your staff for the next decade and call it good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't think I see them trading him. Okay, cool. What does Dylan C's end up in your rank still? Is he is he still up there with you? Yeah, no, he, he's, he's still a top 10 pitching prospect. Um, he's, he's kind of one of those guys where um, command is sometimes an issue, uh, command and control. Um, but he's got, you know, electric fastball, mid to upper 90s. Um, curveball is one of the best breaking pitches in general in the minor leagues and now in the major leagues. Um, I, I, he has probably one of the best curveballs, period, in, in baseball. So it's a freaking hook. So um, What's his ceiling, you think? Like, you think he's a top-end starter at some point? Or, like, I don't know, like, you have any comparison to anybody? I suck with comparisons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I always try to think of someone. So I try to get, like, too perfect with it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, a... First one I can think of is like a Noah Syndergaard type okay. guy, um, but he's gonna need to. And I think he could be kind of an, an ace type pitcher um, if, if that command kind of continues to improve. Um, and, and he's shown that he can command the you know his pitches, so it's not like it's a huge issue. Like I'm not as worried about him as I am about a guy like Tuki Toussaint. I keep referencing, but um, mm, poor guy. But, yeah, <laughs> or Tuki. And I, I love Tuki too. He's plus I love saying the name Tuki. I'll say Tuki all damn day. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's really good stuff. The changeups coming along. Uh, he, he's more than just a fastball curveball guy like he was a couple years ago. Changeups really come a long way. Um, and yeah, if he continues to kind of refine his command and kind of locate his pitches more, I think he can he'd definitely be a, a back a type of solid aid. Not 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 a my score type, but you know, not too far off either. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right, so uh, last couple things before we let you go. Um, I wanted to get your opinion. So we're obviously 
probably two-thirds of the way through the fantasy baseball regular season now. Um, in our league, I wanted to, in, in the league that we have, so it's a three-keeper league, ten people, uh, you have up to five starters, starting pitchers. Uh, after that, it's pretty lenient. I wanted to tell you, the uh, out of the four of us, our, our three potential keepers and which which squad would you roll with out of out of these uh, out of these groups? I got like seven, seven potential keepers though. That, well, then <laughs> if you want to, yeah, okay. Anyways, okay. okay. It's a points league that heavily favors strikeouts yep. and uh, and big power. Yeah, okay. all the good stuff. All right. all right, so I'm not going to tell you whose team is who, and. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, but how make, do I make, not chime in and add the guys that I could keep? Make this, okay. Well, I will list all the possible keepers, and okay. he can he can pick the three that he wants. Okay. Just, right, <laughs> that sounds that. good. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. All right. So, the first team, possible keepers. Uh, I will go Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, Ronald Acuna, Reese Hoskins, Javi Baez, Aaron Noller. Nola, Nola and Shane Bieber. <laughs> Shane Bieber, okay. Typing this all out so I can remember it. All right, next. All right, next. We will go. This one's probably a little shorter. Shorter list here. Uh, we have Josh Bell, Vlad Jr., <laughs> Juan Soto, and Shohei Otani. And is this. Well, is this Ota- both Otani, so hitter and pitcher? Yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah. also, there's a little loophole in here because you could technically have um, six starting pitchers since his primary position is DH. Gotcha. Okay. And team number three, we have Pete Alonso, uh, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Chris Bryant, uh, Clayton Kershaw, I guess Barrios I'll throw in there. And maybe Corbin. French guys. Right. And then the last team we have uh Tatis Jr., Yellick, Harper, Arenado, Verlander, Degrom, and I'm gonna toss in Luis Castillo as well. Oh jeez, this is tough. Um, <laughs> crap. A lot of good teams that, here. Yeah, a lot of good teams. It shows you All that right. the bottom end of this league is pretty dog shit. Pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, God, like I think like you have like these four teams have twenty in my top twenty-five in the dynasty. So. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm trying to pick top three here. Oh jeez, that last team. Who do I take out of that top four three? Uh, sh- Maybe a Harper. Oh, God, I hate taking the Harper from anything, though. Um, all right, so at first glance, jeez. Oh, I think on the, that second team, um, actually, is you know, he's having the best season out of the four. Long term, I like Bell, the, maybe Bell or Otani out, but let's see, Acuna. I think first glance, the f- last team. The, the Yelich team, I would, at first glance, 
So you can, I can either go Yelich, Arenado, Harper, or Yelich, Arenado, Tatis, and have maybe the best shortstop, outfield, third base combo. What's your favorite one? Lean, yeah, leaning that one. Oh. That, 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 this, this was this was very. <laughs> I thought this would be easier. I'd be I, I could pick a team instantly. Like, oh yeah, that team. But this was legit hard. <laughs> 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 these are all like I, you know, none of these teams are anything to scoff at. So, you know. I would not disagree with your choice there, Eric. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, I wonder, the wonder third team that was. first place. Let, yeah. let the third team. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be hard to pick three from these teams because it's not no like not, none of these, you know, not, neither of these teams are where I can be like, oh, boom, A, B, and C. Maybe the, f- not even the first one where I'd, I'd definitely say Acuna from that first one and probably Freeman. Then it's like, Machado, but he's kind of having a down year. Baez is great. You know, I'd probably go Baez. Strikes but... out a lot, though. Strikes yeah, out, he strikes out a lot. Matter. Um, yeah, I'm a lot of power. A lot of power, yeah. though. Absolutely. And, and he's like... shortstop, third base, second base, too. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Second team, like, I'd take Vlad Soto, definitely. He's two of my three, but then, like, you got between Bell and Otani. And then Trout bets for the third team. Then it's like, I have Pete Alonso and Chris Bryant. Are you kidding me? Like, well, two of my boys, you know. I think I, I think I have Bryant. I think I have Bryant ranked higher, but not by much, like a few spots. So yeah. my rankings, and then the fourth team. So it's like, you know, you guys are all set up good. Yeah. All right, congrats, Gilly. You have the arrow cross blessing. It's <laughs> like a little bee on Twitter. <laughs> oh man! And now he's gonna start tweeting in all caps and just say, "You've been blessed by Eric Cross." That'd be awesome. Blessed. <laughs> Thank you, based Eric. Yeah. <laughs> and then one. Okay, one last last thing before we let you go. This thing that Steve came up with on Tuesday, which I thought was absolutely asinine. One of the dumbest things he's ever said. Oh, geez. He okay. wants to toy with the idea of demoting Benintendi to AAA and trading for Brandon Bell and Will Smith to replace him. All right, hold on. Eric, before you answer that question, I have another question for you because uh, Oliver has insulted me. So after you answer this, I have to finish it off with another question that insulted me from Oliver. So, okay. How do you feel about Benny? How do I feel about Benny? Yeah. About, I, I, uh, I, potentially... I really like Benny. I think he's going to be an all-star caliber outfielder for a long time. But like, could a little demotion do him good this year? I don't think he's to the point of getting demoted. Maybe if he's, I mean, we haven't even demoted JBJ. It was hitting like point oh two for you know. <laughs> but uh, um, I don't. I don't think Benny's to the point where he's you know. We don't have anybody to really bring up. Like you know, they've shown that they're not, they're leaving Day in AAA. He could hit seven hundred AAA. They're leaving him down there. <laughs> um, there's really nobody else to throw. We don't really have any many good outfield prospects in the system. Let's have like Jaron oh, come on, Gilberto. Well, yeah, but he, oh, he, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's not playing anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> Jaron Duran's come on, but he's still in Double A, so and he's not really. He's kind of struggling. But uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's any real you know, reason to demote Benny. Um, yeah, he's still hitting. What's it? Two seven. He's in the two seventy range. Um, he's playing solid defense. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think this. But would it shock you? Would it blow you away if all of a sudden you heard, "Oh, yes. he's been sent down"? Yeah, it, it would. It would. It would shock me to, to the core. Like you'd yeah. be like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yes. Like what would shock? What would shock you more? The Red Sox trade Mookie Betts in the morning, or the Red Sox demote Benintendi in the morning? 
more shocking it would be Benetton even demoted. Yeah, oh, oh, what the fuck? All right. Like, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think we're trading bets either. But also agreed. You know, we have a, we have a GM who runs his team almost like a fancy baseball team, where he's you know him and Jerry Depoto <laughs> just like the weed <laughs> deal and straight everybody. So it it when it would shock me, um, kind of like how Nomar shocked me. 15 years ago, Thank but you. it, 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 it would but at the same time, I'm not like saying 0% chance that he's not traded because does it's not sounding like he's going to resign here. Um, and I don't know if we could really sh- could even afford him. Like, you know, that's been a popular conversation um, piece on the local sports talk up here um, about how, you know, we already have uh, between guys between like Devers and, um, Bogarts and Price and, and others. So we already have like five or six guys, like 120 million locked up next year. So, um, and you factor in, you know, Mookie would get 30 minimum, probably 35. You're up to 150 to 160, and you still need to get 17 more guys. You know, so that, that's you know, and they don't want to go over to the luxury tax, which I think is. 220-ish, 230, I think it's somewhere in that range. So I'll leave them like 60 million for 17 guys, which is, you know, obviously not a lot in this day and age for baseball players. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it totally out of question. Like, you know, we've, we've traded Lester before we traded Nomar, so I'm, I'm not going to say it's 100% not going to happen, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't overly surprise me if we did trade bets at some point. What? If he was, wouldn't it be now the time to do it, though? It, it would. You know, I, I think we're kind of in that – we're still, like, what, three games out of the wild card or something like that. We're still kind of hanging on, playing well enough to kind of stay in that mix. Um, Going mean, on a lot start, these next two weeks, too. Yeah, and, yeah we, I think we got a, a lot of uh, a lot of Yankees and, and Tampa Bay coming 14 up. 14 so. straight after the Baltimore. Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, you, you see us say we go like four and ten or something, and all of a sudden we're seven, eight out of the wild card, and then second week of August. Um, not good, not good. Yeah, so then I think you know you could see something with Dombrowski at the helm, you know, where you trade him to I don't even freaking know Atlanta or something. What to say? Um, right, like, what's a know. hypothetical package for him right now? Ooh, that's, that's it's, tough. it's tough because you look at the teams that first of all probably have the stuff to get them aren't really contending like the Padres one have an outfield overload as it is and two aren't in contention like they're not going to trade for them yeah but they have an overload of outfielders that can't play in the outfield realistically (laughs) you know what I mean I feel like they have like perennially have like two guys out there that it's like oh those are left fielders like bottom like row Myers playing center field last year exactly yeah. so it, yeah they have one good defensive outfielder on that's uh, <laughs> Manny Margot so um, but no I, I could see the only team where it kind of makes sense in my mind is that you know you kind of kind of got a package like you said are they contending so they make sense to trade for bets and then do they have the stuff to trade for him um, I keep going back to Atlanta. Yep. I, I could see that. You know, um, you know, they, they're, they're kind of set in the outfield. You know, they got Acuna, Riley, and Marquez, but Riley's been struggling lately. Yeah, um, you're telling so me. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of sent him back down for a bit. Um, plus, he's he's not really a he's not really a left fielder. He's just out there because Donaldson's actually staying healthy for you know realistically for the first time in like three years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could see you know something. 
Oh God! So I think we'd want an outfield prospect back. I could see. I don't. I don't know if they want to give up Christian Patchy. It might be. I think it'd be one of Patchy or Waters. Probably Waters, plus like one of you know at least one of their pitching room. Maybe I could Ian Anderson. So I could Anderson Waters and maybe they keep going after pitching prospects and throw in. Maybe a a Tuki Toussaint or something like that, Kyle Wright, where it's going to take probably three of their top five um, because, you know, you still still have bets for, you know, the rest of this year plus next year. So you got them at least for another year after that. Um, And I think there's a a good chance he could resign down there. You know, he's a Southern guy. I think he's from Tennessee, I think Mookie's from. Yeah, so I think think maybe Atlanta's the closest team to where he grew up. So, um, yeah. Recently, he could resign down there, so I think it had to be a significant package. And I think with kind of the state of the Red Sox pitching staff right now, and how we have not many high end or any really high end pitching prospects in the system, you know, we have a lot of back end guys like Mike Shawarin and, and Tanner Houck and um, her, Darwin's on Hernandez and stuff like that. So uh, I think they've kind of they'd want an outfielder. I think to kind of be the heir apparent replacement the bets for the next couple of years. So. That's where you go, patchy waters, and then I mean they really try to bolster up the pitching. So you got guys like you know Toussaint, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, uh, Colby Allard, Kyle Mueller. So many pitching prospects in that system. So you see a handful of those pitching prospects plus one of the outfielders to get it done. Any other dark horses in terms of? I feel like one that pops into my mind, even though they're not really. They're still in the mix, certainly, for the playoffs and everything like that. But the Phillies, because it's like they, at this point, they know they're out on Trout when that, that big plan, I think, way back was almost like a an NBA-style superstar team where it's like, oh, we got Harper now. Maybe we'll get Trout when he's a free agent. He's going to come home to, to Philly. Could you see them making a splash? I know that they don't really have – they're not as well-equipped as, like, the Braves per se – but could that be a landing spot? The the Cardinals, I feel like, are an always weird team in a mix of like potential superstars that become available, like a Mookie Betts, where it's like suddenly they're in the mix and they trade for him and they they make a contract work and, and build around him just like they did with Goldschmidt. Like I don't know, I'm trying to be creative about it as well because it's there aren't any glaring obvious spots for him to go. I like Atlanta to be honest. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into that just because of how young they are, but that would be an interesting blend of like a, a proven MVP caliber veteran with their uh, young stars. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't rule Philly out. I think, you know, they don't quite have the system of an Atlanta, but yeah. you know, they're kind of rolling out. So they, they have Harper out and right. And they're kind of rolling, you know, Adam Hazley and Kingery who are you know decent little players in their own right. But obviously you, you'd make room somehow for, um, if you had the caliber of the Mookie Betts. So um, to get something done there, you know, they'd have to almost get rid of, all their top guys. Like I think it would take um, probably, you know, their best hitting prospect is Alec Bohm, third baseman. I think it would take him plus that. We don't really need another corner infielder. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you Devers and Dahlbeck and Chavis and uh, Tristan. Tristan Case, yeah. Yeah. Who's I think would be the best one of all of them. But, um, you know, you, know, you make room, but I Wait, guess. You, you, so t- in Dynasty, you take Cassis over Dahlbeck? Yes. Huh. Um, I get you know, I give the slight edge power wise to uh, Dahlbeck. You know, as I've seen him, he's been here in uh, 
up in my neck of the woods for the last basically year now. And this dude has legit 40 homer pop, and Cassis is not far behind. Um, but Cassis is a better overall hitter, doesn't strike out as much, but you know, has more contact. So I think he's probably going to oust Dahlbeck in the average department by a good 30 to 40 points. So Good to um, know. I just picked him yeah. up in my Yahoo League. Nice. <laughs> for Dahlbeck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're both going to be really solid, but I think Cassis is just a better pure hitter. Um, but yeah, to go back to, so I think we'd have to take probably um, Bohm and then plus like an Adonis Medina or, you know, Spencer Howard. Um, they, they get some guys at the top, but it gets kind of, you know, not, they, they don't have a lot of high end talent. So outside of like a few guys, they probably have to salvage most of their top guys to get, um, they probably have to maybe throw in. Moniac, um, yeah, maybe Moniac. <laughs> you know, you, you never, you never know. Maybe Moniac, yeah. um, but I think so. Moniac plus, I think it would still take like a, like a Bohm or Medina or something like that as well. Okay. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule them. I wouldn't rule them out. It's interesting though, because as of late, obviously we saw what happened with Machado, and it's, I mean, the Orioles' return in terms of what they got for Machado for a rental uh, to the Dodgers there was not nearly as much as what was typically expected. Um, so it's just interesting to see how how the trade market kind of reacts to that type of um, superstar being the last like star traded at the deadline as a rental, where A, he didn't re-sign, B, they really didn't get a ton for him, considering that, and then C, you have the whole other aspect of there being a singular trade deadline. I think that's going to be interesting to see how teams react in terms of if there are less teams that are um, – interested in making moves because they're not really sure if they're in the mix or not or if you have more because there's a, a plethora of teams that aren't convinced they're out of it yet uh and therefore are willing to to throw some prospects on the table instead of uh in the past there yeah i, th- I think it's probably the, the latter there i think you're gonna yeah. see more i think i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be maybe the, one of the craziest trade deadlines in history um this year with just the singular trade deadline how take. there's not a not a whole lot of teams that are out of the mix I mean, you, you look you look in the AL where you have. I'm trying to pull up the where's the wild card. You got like four or five teams fighting for it. Yeah, so like the only, the only teams out of it in the AL are so you got Toronto, Baltimore, uh, White Sox, Kansas City, Detroit, and Seattle. Six teams out. So you got nine in some way, shape, or form either in the playoffs or fighting for it. And then how do we get to the damn NL? Oh, it's down here. The NL is um, pretty tight too. Yeah, really yeah, only no. have one team out. Yeah, you got you got Miami out. I would wild card. Yeah, outside of that, see every team besides Miami is within five games of the wild card. So, you know, I'm, I don't think the Mets at forty four and fifty one were going to be buyers or anything, but they're not out of it either. So, you know, it depends on how, you know what, the, what how they feel that you know. Oh, we can still make a run here. So you, you could see I wouldn't rule it out a team that's below five hundred, but thinks they're still a playoff team make that run. So I think it's going to be pretty crazy. I really do. Can you give us some names on who you think is going to get traded? Any any weird names? Anybody that's like, you think like someone like, I don't know. I think Whit Merrifield's going to be traded, but a lot of people say like, probably not. I think the Royals want to keep him around. But like anybody like that? Uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard. I, I want to say like I like Joey Votto, but his contract is so damn big. I, I don't know Awful. if it's really realistic to move him mm-hmm. um i could see you know one of the teams that's out that i could see make a move is 
maybe like a Seattle uh, to a team that might need some help. Uh, you look at Domingo Santana or a Mitch Hanniger, even though he's kind of injured and hurt, uninjured and not performing well. But his poor testicle. Yeah, um, yeah, that was. Ugh, I can't even. I heard when I first time I saw that, I was like, that's just maybe awful. <laughs> yeah. Kept growing. You, you, you get like sy- sympathy pain for the guy. Like I was like, Jesus, like oh, this is not something you want to see or. or um, but yeah, I, I could see you know Seattle makes some move. Obviously, they get the Jerry Depoto, so um, he's you know the king of. Wheeling and dealing, so um, even more so than Dombrowski. So I, I guess see Seattle making some you know trades there. Maybe some outfielders go. Um, outside of that, what about Arizona, I feel like they're going to unload everybody, even though they're still in it. I mean, they could. They're only half game out of the wild card, though. So what do they have to unload at this point, though? Well, they have like Adam Frankie. Jones, Jared Dyson. Uh, you could even maybe even Robbie Ray if they struggle this next week. Like they could get some really good, close to major league ready pieces and be right back in it even next year. If like yeah. Luke Weaver pans out and Carson Kelly, who's having a really good season, even though playing time is a little restricted, they're kind of killing that trade with Goldie. Looking back on it, yeah. Um, I was trying to think a team here. I'm looking now. Um, that makes a lot of sense. That could um, send off some guys. Uh, I can see since Cincinnati making some moves. Um, they they kind of have a log jam um, between you know what they already have in the major league level and then some of their top prospects. Um, so I could see a guy like a, like a Scooter Jeanette or Eugenio Suarez, something like that, be traded. Maybe even Puig. Who knows? But um, <laughs> you know, and then Iglesias, like you know, what's what's the old saying? Like the most. The worst guy to have in your team on a bad team is the, a good closer or something like that. Probably botched the wording, but you know, there's no need for a good closer. I know Glacius kind of had it down season, but I can see Glacius being moved. Um, you know, guys like Jeanette, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Puig, um, you know, just to give, you know, get Senzel. Senzel can't play the outfield, but he's probably a better infielder, so I'll get him back in the second or third. And then they have Jonathan India. Um, so they, they have a lot of guys like second, third, short type guys. So. Um, I, I can see them making a move because they're they're one of those teams that's only five games out of the wild card, but at the same time they're last in the NL Central, so they have to go through a ton of teams. So probably pretty unrealistic that they make the playoffs at this point, even though they're only five games out. Um, so they have to pass like seven teams to do so. But um, yeah, I can see Cincinnati making some moves. Seattle, those would be two teams I'd look out for. I get. It. Hey, I don't want to keep you too long. I know Oliver wants to get like end this pretty soon. I can see his eyeballs popping off. Um, for the rest of your life, right now, who would you rather have, Trout or Acuna? I know I you oh, retweeted that for us, but did, didn't somebody wasn't this on Twitter like three days ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, it, it it is close because you you had to factor in the age at this point where Trout's I believe twenty seven and Acuna's twenty two, twenty one, twenty one, twenty one. Yeah, right in that range. So. I, I think I, I think I remember I think I voted Trout in this, but because yeah. you know, and Acuna is already you know so good and you know top five player in this league. Um, I just think where to the level where Trout might be the most talented player of all time. I think you know with all it's crazy to say with all you know all the greats, the Willie Mays, the Babe Ruths, Ted Williams have come through, but. You know what he brings to the table, where he's he hits for power, he hits for average, he hits you know he steals a lot of bases. He's you know Gold Glove defender. You know he brings it all to the table. There's really no weakness to his game. Where you know I think you can 
put him in that, at least in that conversation of the most talented players of all time and not just in our generation of all time. So um, I, don't, I don't know if Acuna can be that type of player. So um, even though there's a you know roughly a five or so year age gap, I'd still take Trout if I was starting a team today. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't you know, scoff or have any arguments if somebody wanted to take Acuna. All right. Take that. <laughs> Oliver made it seem like I was, you know, born on Mars for having that opinion. So <laughs> I mean, I was appalled at your trade offer straight oh, up yeah. for Acuna and Trout. I was appalled. Oh, yeah. And I canceled it because I didn't want it. Then I sent him Baez <laughs> for Mookie. And he, he thought – And so how about Baez for Mookie? Who would you rather have in that for the rest Mookie. of your life? Mookie. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, man. How, come Looking on. like a fool. Javi Baez, look, great player, <laughs> exciting player. He has 120 strikeouts to, like, three walks this year. <laughs> He's betting 280 with, like, 24 home runs, betting and playing shortstop, third base, look, second base. Also, this is only... Very... I say only, but this is his second year where he's like that type of player. Mookie's done it since 2015, 16, four or five yeah. years now. So give Baez a few more years before you can get into the Mookie conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's hard, too. Like, you see, you know, yeah, Baez strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot. You see, you've seen that work. Like, Adam Jones yep. is him, one of those guys that, or then Cano, you know, wasn't, you know, a big walk guy, you know. So it, it can work. It's just it's hard to make that style work over a really long period of time. You can make it work. You can you know have four, five, six really good seasons. But at some point, you know it's gonna get up to you. You'll have a season where you hit two forty. You know I, I I could see three years from now. You know I'm not betting money on it, but I could see Baez just having a two forty, two fifty year. You know because of because of the approach. Um, and I don't think it's gonna happen, but it wouldn't shock me. Like you know I I don't see bets ever hitting. I think what was that? Couple of years ago, he hit two sixty. Yeah, he had two, mid two sixties, and that was. I think that's like the very floor of his batting average. So I don't think you'll ever see him like tanking or having like a Bryce Harper hitting two twenty type season um, from two years ago. So um, yeah, so I, I think you know, Bias is phenomenal. He's exceeded my expectations. Uh, he really has. He's and he's, he's, he's so fun to watch. I love watching guys like him that just have the energy. You know, love to play out there and really kind of fly over the field. I love. <laughs> Guys, he's too fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I definitely. All right, great segue for you, Eric. Wait, before we go, okay. one thing that it's just—it's just so prevalent. We can't—we can't let uh let him go without asking his take on this. Um, in terms of you talking about how bias is fun to watch, um, just interesting uh, in terms of the conversation around the game in general right now. In terms of what the solution is to to make it more enjoyable to watch, I I don't doubt that any one of us five in this conversation um, are are worried in terms of the, the sense of, oh, I don't have fun watching the game. However, I think there is some concern around around the masses and the, the less informed, so to speak. Um, I'm just curious, Eric, in terms of like your thoughts on, in general, what would be some uh, tangible solutions to, to make the game more exciting and more palatable to the average fan that wouldn't ruin the game in your eyes you know what i mean i think we've had yeah. some interesting like things as of late like the stolen first or uh, yeah, stealing first say, base getting caught stealing at first yeah that, that's horrible that's horrible i, hate, <laughs> yeah. I hate that so much what do you think so what's Pitch your what's talk. your general take in that so i i think it's, it's very minor i think in terms of the biggest thing i think that needs to happen and it's not even that's the way i changed the game is that they really get a market 
the stars of the sport more. Like you see, you know, kids, you know, like kids walk around with like Kevin Durant jersey, Steph Curry, LeBron James, because the NBA is phenomenal at marketing those guys. And same with you know soccer around the world and football. Everyone's got a Brady jersey, a Russell Wilson jersey, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, one of, one of my former high school um, buddies is now he coaches, uh, well, I think little league or something like that, um, and. I think he said like three quarters of his of his team didn't even know who Mike Trout was. Ugh. That's a pro- that's, that's a, pro- a problem. That's, you know, yeah, he's West Coast that uh, plays into it, but still, like it, it doesn't take much. Like you see, like I, I listed off Kevin Durant and Curry who played the last few years on you know, in San Francisco. You know, so it, it can be done. It's just and yeah, baseball is more of a team ass more of a team sport than you know most ever sports where it's not just you know you can't have a one guy carry you in baseball like you can in basketball or a quarterback in football but um they really gotta start marketing these, these guys especially to the younger age where you know players should be you know kids should be knowing who mookie betts is who should you know mike trout you know even the javier buys these guys that are like the top 10 20 players in the league they need to get marked especially these all this young talent the Vladimir Guerrero Juniors and the Acunas and the Alex Bregman is a great player to market and you know, all these other guys like Wander Franco would be a good guy to market when he comes up. But um, they really need to market it more. And you know, I think you know, pace of play has always been a, a conversational piece where I like that they're trying to do it, but I think they're going about it the wrong way. Um, like I look back, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, and you really the only player that really sticks out that was you know. Every pitch steps out of the box, adjusts the gloves. Nomar, you know, remember Nomar doing that? I think all of us probably imitated that at some point in time. Playing oh, yeah, I tried. But like, <laughs> every player does it now. It's like, yeah. it, it, it pisses me off. Like, you know, about like Dustin Pedroia, I love PD. He'll step in, takes a pitch, doesn't move his damn hands at all, <laughs> adjusts the gloves for 30 seconds. I'm yeah. like, swing, dude. You, you, the, the gloves didn't move. You don't need a. I know it's like a tick or something, you know, people, it's instinct. They just do it now. But I think, you know, I'd love to see them. I'd love to, I don't know if they have these numbers anywhere. It's like, find like the average time between pitches now where <laughs> it's probably gone up 50 to 75% over the last decade. I think, I think, you know, I'd love to see them cut down commercial time. Obviously we'd all would, but obviously they're not going to do that because the money involved in it. But just, I think it's on the umpires really just to keep these guys in the box and, you know, you don't need to adjust your batting gloves 76 times every at bat, you know. Um, it's just minor things like that. And, you know, at first I was opposed to the pitch clock, you know, but, you know, having it in the minor leagues now for a few years, you know, it's grown on me. I must not love it, but you know, I think stuff like that where um, it's keeping the pace of play going, it's not so much the, you know, the whole time of the game, it's, you know, there's not one big fix, but, you know, when you look at, you know, how many bats are there in a game and, you know, if you add another five to ten seconds per bat, that adds up when you've got, you know, mm-hmm. what, say 75 to 80 bats a game, and all of a sudden, boom, there's another 20, 30 minutes when it all adds up. So I think just kind of keeping at bats, you know, quicker and keep the keep the um, pace of play going, I think, is, is a big thing too. All right. That was an awesome answer. Yeah, Thank you. that was great. <laughs> Uh, I've thought a lot about this. <laughs> That's why I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts, just because outside of the the prospects and all the the usual stuff, there some some kind of uh, some meta thoughts, so to speak, in terms of the game. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, um, I don't think baseball is in danger really, because you see, like, I think youth baseball participation is up, so people still love to play the sport. But I think it would definitely help just to 
I think let's go back to that marketing. Like everybody needs to know who Mike Trout is. You know, I, I keep every time I see um, these like oh the top twenty five most famous athletes in the world, baseball guys are never on there. It's always yeah. soccer, football, NBA. You know, even even like Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin were sneaking on the even hockey was getting more you know mm-hmm. more star player publicity than baseball, which is you know I, I like hockey as well, but that's that's an issue. You know, when baseball is kind of widely regarded as still kind of up there, second most popular sport behind football, where you know, it, it needs to be, especially in this country, it needs to be marketed. And I don't mean over in London, MLB. That's not a horrible idea, um, but. Market it in your own country. Market these market these star players that are just so joyous to watch. To you know, yeah. guys like us who you know obviously are baseball diehards and love baseball, but you know the average fan like, all right, well, why am I tuning in to watch Mike Trout? You know, like they, they need to know that. So or you're not gonna get these casual fans. They're, you know, so that, I think that's the biggest thing is just marketing. So you know, you really have to change the game. Obviously, it would help to quicken the game, pace of play some, but just kind of sh- throwing it out there. Like, all right, this is why you need to tune in. You need yeah. to, to watch, you know, Justin Verlander pitch tonight, Garrett Cole, Noah Syndergaard. You know, you watch these guys. Mike Trout's facing off against Cody Bellinger. You need to watch, you know, that's that's what they need to do. They do a horrible job of it. You know, I agree. Like, like, you know, a World Series rematch, you know, with the Sox and Dodgers recently, where it was like ESPN like, had like a one kind of sort of commercial about it. Where in the M- NBA, like they pub they pub it up for like a month, like oh it's Cleveland and Golden State on Christmas Day, they pub it up for like a month. So um, it, you really did you know market, you know showcase these you know these players and these you know good solid you know, matchups between teams where you know this get, get that casual fan in. Yeah, and even uh, the NBA is miraculous in terms of how it's like I don't know it's really emerged uh, from a marketing perspective. Like a al- allowing the players to like have such personalities, which goes beyond the game. You know what I mean? And I know it's different from football and MLB in the sense that uh, the NBA, you look at a guy, you know exactly what he is and what he looks like. He doesn't have a helmet on. You you, you see the person in as he is. However, additionally, in, with the twelve month like marketing period of the NBA. There's no off season. That's like the craziest thing to me. Whereas like the MLB, it's like, how long did we have to wait for JD Martinez to sign with Boston? How, this right. off season, it's like Harper was unknown in terms of like where he was going. It wasn't even like, okay, he's going to sign with Philly. He's just taking his time. Pretty it was crazy. unknown. It was like we we literally had no idea. And it's like I don't know. It, which and I know they tried to hype it up, and I know MLB the show was kind of trying to create this mysterious allure of like, oh, where's Harper going to sign? They did like a blank, blank team for uh, for the the actual like covers and everything like that. But I think that I don't know. I, I think that's a big part of it, and I totally agree in terms of the marketing campaign, but also making it like a literally trying to make it at least like a ten to twelve month sport. It's like a month ago, all or not even that. Um, but the NBA was all people were talking about on Twitter. I'm sure you saw that a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you're a big NBA guy. Oh, yeah. Just like, just like that was wild in terms of free agency. And I know that that was kind of a, out of the ordinary, so to speak. However, right. at the same time, it's like you wouldn't have even known if you looked at Twitter that day that well, I'm sure we did in terms of baseball still going on. Kepa. That's why we were looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? How it's just like, okay, like they don't play for an additional four months. And this is what's taking over Twitter right now, where it's like you have pretty interesting storylines within the MLB and stuff that's really not getting its uh, the attention it deserves. So I, I no, thank you for your thoughts on that. I, I totally I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Where you know, NBA obviously is pretty much year round, and then NFL is very you know I crap on Roger Goodell all the time. He's a tool bag, but um, they kind of have it set up good where 
you know, there's very minimal breaks because, you know, season ends you know, early February. Then there's you gotta get a little break, but then you got like OTAs, and then you got like the combine and the draft. It's like everything's like you don't get more than like a month break before you have at least something where people are like, "All right, we got you know OTAs." You know, and there's always someone who's not showing up at OTAs. So um, then you get you know in training camp. So you know, baseball. It's you know, if free agency is not hopping, it's you know from November, December, and January, most of February. It's you got a good four months of not much. You know, obviously, you know, diehards like me, you know, you know, watching the Arizona fall fall league and winter <laughs> leagues, and you know, obviously, you know, stuff like that. But you know, and, and I don't, I don't know what they really can do. I guess they they could, you know, kind of show more of the AFL because it's you know, it's got some good, you know, it's really good stuff. And I'm actually going out there this year for a few days, so um, it's really they cool. could, yeah, they could pub that up, and um, you know, I don't think the those Dominican winter leagues would, you know, really do well. But um, I think they, they got to do something where I don't necessarily know what it is, but maybe change the structure of free agency, um, tweak it a little bit, make it make a floor so you don't got teams that don't want to spend like Kansas City. You know, maybe maybe put a floor in for salary. Who knows? I don't really have any good answers for that. But yeah, that definitely it's definitely a good point where you need you know people shouldn't be forgetting about baseball for a quarter of the year. They need to you know. We've had some, you know, really good off seasons for free agency, but yeah, like last year where, you know, when Harper is waiting to sign until what is it, mid February? It's like you're like, oh god, he finally he finally got cool. It's yeah. like you almost like forgot, like, oh yeah, he's still a free agent. You almost kind of forgot about it. Yeah, and Machado like, too, where it's like, oh yeah, oh shoot, these guys have to sign somewhere. One yeah, like, in for the other. <laughs> yeah, Kimberl and Keuchel. It's like ordinarily there would be years that that's like the priority of like, oh, where's Keuchel gonna sign? Yeah, it's like Keiko, you know, obviously he's he's on the backside of his career, but like yeah. he's still a very solid like mid rotation type guy. So it's like the fact that, you know, maybe ask too much money and obviously there's a lot of factors that go into it, but you don't see guys you know, a lot of teams going in on these kind of mid guys as much. Like you'll see the the big signings and then, you know, there's a lot of focus on like the young up and coming talent where you know, like, oh, I can have Mookie Betts starting for five hundred thousand on arbitration. Okay, you know, I'll go. I'll go with a young guy who can get me, you know, similar production at seventeen less million a year or something like that. So signing like Adam Jones or whatever. But you know, I, I don't know how to fix that. But I think that's definitely a good point where I need to do something to try to make it so you know November through mid February is a little more interesting for the casual fan. Yeah, and you know what? People like you might be uh, fighting the good fight, and maybe fantasy baseball is the answer. In all honesty. Yeah. Maybe kind of fantasy leagues, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And then where, all of a sudden, it's going to have the fantasy football type emphasis, where it's like kind of have a, an MLB red zone type deal, and people are tuning into that at least. That, that'd, be a, that'd be a good idea. Like every time there's like two guys on base, I don't know how they do that, or you know, yeah, that would, that would be ninth, <laughs> bottom of the ninth, down by well, I don't know how they yeah, how they do that, but that'd be, <laughs> that'd be good thing to figure out like what how they would do that. I think that'd be that'd be pretty cool, but. Um, is, is, yeah, it's, baseball's kind of fallen into, you know, I, I hear a lot of people like, oh, I kind of have it on in the background while I'm doing something else. Like, that's, yeah, so I, I don't like hearing that, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I'm guilty of it too. I'll have it on the background if I have like on the radio and I'm cooking dinner or whatever, but on a like, Saturday night, but, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, people just like sitting down to watch baseball. So, and I, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I think, you know, I think Rob Manfred, he's always trying, which is, you know, I mean, maybe not agreeing with, how he's going about it. Some of these like steal first type of crap, but um, and certain you know certain certain in the minors. I don't know if you guys saw this. How they're starting a guy in second base, 
um, in, in extra innings. I'm not a big fan of that either. But they're at least trying, so I, I still got some optimism that they do f- figure something out at some point. All right, Eric, you gave us about an hour more than you agreed to, so thank oh, you for that. I know <laughs> so time flies. Just get uh, talking. It's, it's good. <laughs> just talking it's baseball. Talk. It was awesome having you on again. If you're out there still listening to this for whatever reason, first of all, thanks. Second of all, go give Eric a follow on Twitter, at EricCross04. He's probably um, – one of my favorite baseball follows. He's always he answers to absolutely everybody. Even if you're an Yankee fan, he'll answer you about any question you have. If you're talking about which which high A prospect should I have? That's like three people in the world have heard of. He knows them. He'll give you the answer. Uh, so make sure you give him a follow. Fan tracks a follow. Um, and again, Eric, thanks for having. Thanks for coming on. And. I'm sure we'll regroup again sometime during the off season before free agency or something like that. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always, always a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Thanks guys. All right, take care. care. Bye. 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 Okay, everybody. That was our interview with Eric Cross. Um, I'm just here by myself right now as a little as a little closeout. Uh, Friday morning, the morning after the interview, I kind of we didn't really have time last night after uh eric gave us literally an hour and 20 minutes when he said he would come on for half an hour so that was just that was awesome we really got involved with a bunch of stuff i hope you enjoyed it um be sure to follow him i mentioned it but uh be sure to follow him on twitter at eric cross zero four be sure to follow fan tracks at fan tracks uh they're not only Eric Cross, but Fantrax is also super interactive on Twitter. They help us uh, whenever we reach out to them with polls or questions or anything like that where we want to get a big audience. Um, obviously, I'm just here by myself, but I'd like to just say if you like what you heard, we record every week, a new episode every week. Um, Follow us on Twitter. We're at Small State Takes. Uh, give us a follow there. We're on Sports Country Internet Radio's lineup as well. We're on every Tuesday there. If you prefer, you know, satellite radio atmosphere, we're on there. Um, and yeah, just be sure to spread the word. I hope you guys liked Fantasy Baseball Special Episode Two. Even though it's not solely Fantasy Baseball, we just really get to talk baseball with a baseball nerd and. We have a good time doing it, and he'll be back. Eric's a good dude, big Red Sox fan, so that helps. So uh, if for some reason you've listened this far, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.